No such thing. Uh, Hawk Nelson. Any Hawk Nelson fans out there? Yeah. I love his music. Uh, there's no such thing as hopeless for a believer. Now, here's the question. Do you believe that? In fact, let me ask this. Do you live that? See, what we believe and what we live, sometimes they don't sync up. We're, we're continuing this series, uh, Distance, and today I want to talk about facing the future, facing the future in our, our lives. And, uh, you know, the fact is that um, we uh, struggle with that sometimes. You know, Steve uh, Ambrose, in his book, uh, Un- Undaunted uh, Courage, he details the two-year journey of Lewis and Clark. Now, you remember this is the early 1800s, and he details the unbelievable difficulties that they faced in, in this unfamiliar territory as, as they're making, making the trip. They, they deal with hunger, they deal with heat, they deal with frigid temperatures, exhaustion, moral issues. Uh, they had people desert along the way, hostile enemies, serious illnesses, and even death at, at points. And so they, they keep trying to, to get where they're going, and finally they reach the Continental Divide. And according to the best information that they had, what they expected was that they would carry their canoes and their gear about a half a day, and they would end up at the Columbian River, and that uh, that would give them easy access or passage, you might say, to the Pacific Ocean. That's what they expected when they got there. But the fact is, when they, they got to those headwaters, um, Lewis left the group behind. He climbed to the top of the bluff to kind of assess things. And he became the first American citizen to see the Rocky Mountains. That wasn't what he expected. I mean, can you imagine the shock at that moment, the, the disappointment, as he realizes that they're going to have to climb these things? I mean, what do you say to your team when you return and they thought they were going to have an easy, easy run, and you got to tell them, hey, there are mountains, and they're huge, and we're going to have to strap our equipment and our, all of our gear, and I do not know how long we're going to have to climb, and I don't know how far we're going to have to go. I don't know what we're going to face. I don't even know what's on the other side. They start climbing, uncharted territory. They have to dig deeper than they knew that they could. They, they are going to have to become very creative. They're going to have to find strength that they didn't know they had to climb these mountains. And I was thinking about the fact that we climb mountains in our lives. We face challenging situations. We face the great unknown. You know, it might be uh, financial pressures. It might be relational challenges. It might be a vocational challenge. It might be a spiritual struggle in our lives. But the fact is, we face mountains. And I've always been puzzled because why is it that some, when they face a mountain, they're easily defeated? You know, they confront a challenge in their life and they lose hope very easily. 
And why do other people approach that mountain and they have that resilient spirit? They, they're able to face the challenge and actually persevere and move forward. You know, it's been my observation through the years and my experience that there are some skill sets, some attitudes that we have to develop in our lives that I believe are consistent with the teaching of Scripture and that will help us as we face futures that that many times are daunting, but we can face them with optimism in our lives. The fact is that uh, as Christ followers, we have to take responsibility for our hope. We have to take responsibility for that. There's no such thing as hopeless for a believer. Do you believe that? And I know, as I say that, some of you are thinking, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. You have no idea the challenges I'm facing. You you don't know how I was treated unfairly at my last job. You don't know how horrible, when I was growing up, how bad things got. You don't know how bad my marriage was. You don't know how many dreams I have shattered along the way. And to you, I would say, you're right, I don't. In fact, nobody may know. But God knows. God knows. And and here's what I know. For some of you, if you don't get anything else today, the next 30 seconds, get this. People who live with a habit of hope in their lives live far better lives than people who live with a habit of despair and discouragement. The fact is that as we live with hope in our hearts, people who live close to God and allow God to breathe into you to see a future, you are more likely to get up in the morning and face the day with anticipation. You are more likely to experience joy and gratitude, but it is a choice. It is a choice that you make in your life. I know for some of you, because I know some of you, this may be challenging because the fact is you received a cranky gene from your parents. (laughs) Now let that sit in a little. (laughs) The fact is it's something you fight against. And I want to say to you, fight. Fight. Because it's your responsibility to, if you're going to have hope, if you're going to have optimism in your life, you have to fight for it. It's not your parents' responsibility. It's not your spouse's responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's a choice you have to make. You've got to stop waiting, waiting for, for something or some circumstance or some job or some person to come along and rescue you in your life. You know, when my uh, girls were younger, um, I remember watching the movie Snow White. And uh, I liked the movie. Okay, I'm going to say that, so don't send me notes. But the whole time I was watching it, I was looking at my two daughters. And I'm thinking, this is a really poor role model for them. I mean, here's, here's this 
girl that's hiding from the horrible stepmother. She takes a menial job. She's working for seven really weird, odd guys. I mean, one of them's grumpy, by the way. And then she's passively waiting to be rescued, singing, Someday my prince will come. And I wanted my girls to know to never do that. I wanted them to know that if they ever got in that kind of situation, I wanted them to take it on. I wanted them to confront the stepmother. Tell her to come to terms with the aging process, you know. Tell her that you have no intention of being a punching bag for her neurosis. You know, for her to tell those seven bachelors that they need to grow up. <laughs> you know, start, start picking up after themselves, that you're not their mom. And I wanted to say, do not wait for a prince to come rescue you. Instead, build strong, healthy relationships. Find meaningful work that challenges you. Do good things in this world. Take risks. Live with passion. Be God-honoring. You know, and, and then I wanted them, when it come time for them to get a prince, let me pick him out for them. <laughs> yeah? Huh? Amen. There's some dads out there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Friends, when you face mountains, whether that's today Next week or a year from now, you have a choice to make. And it's a choice you have to make. It's a choice between hope and despair. It's a choice between life and death. It's the choice between trusting God that all things are possible and giving in to defeat. But it's a choice you make every day, every time you get up. And when you choose hope... It breathes life. It builds character. It strengthens you. Every time you choose despair, it allows you to be defeated by the mountains that you face. It's just about that simple. You know, every time you you quit, every time you give in to hopelessness, it makes it more likely that a smaller and smaller mountain will defeat you in your life. It's a choice you make every day when you get up. And this is where, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is very different than positive thinking. You know, a a resilient faith makes a choice to put their hope in a good, all-knowing, all-powerful God that opens up all the possibilities. For a believer, we have a God that is accessible, that's available every moment of every day, a God that can help you, that, that wants to work in whatever the situation is that you're facing, You know, I love what the Apostle Paul, I mean, he knew the importance of hope when he wrote this. He says, may God, the source of our hope, fill you with all joy and peace by means of your faith in him so that your hope will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I don't know what challenge you're facing. I don't know what obstacles are in your way. 
But what I know is that you were created by God. You're created in the image of God. And if you are a child of God, that the fact is God is waiting and it was, wants to get involved in your life. He's available to you. And that's where you find hope because that hope that God can instill in you will lead to a better life. It always leads to a better life. You know, as a followers of Jesus Christ, I, I think one of the things that we have to come to terms with is accepting failure. You will fail along the way. In fact, I believe failure is essential to the learning process. It, it allows us, when we fail, to, to move forward. You know, I heard about a... Uh, pottery teacher that decided that he was going to divide up the class into two groups. Half the class was going to be graded on the quantity uh, of stuff that they created. So in other words, uh, if they produced 50 pounds of bowls and vases, they'd get an A. If they did 40 pounds, they would get a B and so on down, down the track. The other half of the class would be graded on quality. They had to make one bowl by the end of the semester, or one vase, but it had to be really good. And it's interesting because at the end of the semester, something very strange happened. Apparently, as the quantity group kept producing stuff, and they're making more and more pieces. They, they, they learned from their mistakes. They'd make a mistake, and they'd just keep going. And what happened was the quality got better and better for that group. And so by the end of the semester, all the quality pieces were made by the people in the quantity group. The, the quality group, on the other hand, got kind of paralyzed. They struggled I don't know if it was fear or the, the fear that they might fail, but, but they struggled. And so by the end of the semester, they had mediocre pieces to present to the teacher. The quality group or quantity group, they willingly embraced failure. They gained knowledge and they made progress. I want to suggest that's how it is in life. It's how it is at work. It's how it is when you're trying to acquire a new skill. It's what happens as a parent. It happens in marriage. It happens in ministry. You know, you will fail along the way. You will face challenges and you will get knocked down. But you get back up. You learn from it, you learn what you can, and then you grow. That's what should happen. You know, Proverbs uh, says this, the godly may trip seven times, but they will, what? Get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. It's interesting, the, the writer doesn't say the godly will never trip up, they'll never fall, they'll never make a mistake. doesn't say that. He says they'll fall again and again and again and again and again, but the difference is they get back up. They get back up because they, they have a God in whom they have hope. 
They have a God that, where they know that they'll find mercy in their life and grace and strength and power. And so they keep getting up and they keep facing life and they keep taking on. But the ungodly are overthrown. They're overthrown when things spin out in their life because they have no God to lift them up, they end up with no hope. See, you will make mistakes along the way. You will fall from time to time. You'll fall at work. You'll fall in a relationship. You'll fail uh, financially or socially or spiritually. But the difference is when you're resilient, you don't cave in, you get back up. See, the difference is how you respond, how you respond to, to, to the situation in, in your life. When, when you face a challenge, you ask God, say, okay, God, what is it you want me to learn? You always ask God that when you fail. You know, maybe uh, there's something that, that you did that, that you shouldn't have, or maybe you didn't do something you should have. You know, maybe, maybe God's trying to teach you something and build your character, you know, or to build your patience or your trust or your perseverance. But there's always something to learn in a failure. It may be as simple as, don't do that again. <laughs> you ever had that? It's like, okay, there we go. I can cross that one off. And let me challenge Christ followers on a regular basis. Do a reality check, a hope check, so to speak, in, in your life. There's an old saying. Uh, I always found it uh, humorous, but uh, in the cavalry, they say, when your horse dies dismount and saddle another horse. <laughs> and every time I read it, I think, okay, cavalry guys aren't very bright, apparently, but your horse is dead. Please get off your horse. Find another horse, you know. But uh, when dreams die, dismount and get on to another one. Saddle up for something else. Resilience friends, is not the same thing as denial. You know, resilience is not the same thing as clinging to the past, you know, or, or foolish stubbornness. You know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. If you are still holding on to blockbuster stock, if you still believe like VHS tapes are going to make a big comeback... If you're still waiting for that special gal or guy to ask you out at the high school reunion and at your 50th reunion, let it go. The horse is dead. Friends, sometimes we all need a, a hope adjustment in our lives. We need to acknowledge that there are certain hopes that may never be realized. Resilient people, they recognize that they have to do a reality check sometimes. Now, sometimes that involves grieving. Sometimes it means working through it. 
but you work through it without losing the ultimate hope in Jesus Christ and in God. But it's a process. I remember a while back talking to a woman and she was talking about how her and her husband really, really wanted to have children. But it had been years and years. They'd been struggling. And I remember her saying, these aren't exact words, but it's close, that she hoped someday they would have kids. But if it didn't happen, that she had cried a lot about it, she thought about it all the time, it would be hard if they didn't, but that they would trust God and they would embrace a different future. Friends, hope adjustment, it's grounded in a deeper hope. It's hope in God, that God has a future, that God has a way, that that God's in the midst of it. The psalmist says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Friends, we need hope and we need to hold tight to God. I, I was thinking about the fact as Christ followers, one of the things that we have to do in our lives is learn how to deal with negative people. Well, how? Well, Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. Guard your heart. Christ followers, guard your heart. Guard your heart. You know, negativity is a spiritual disease, and it will devour you. Negative spirit, it's contagious. In fact, I believe it's deadly at times. I see it all the time, uh, social media. Someone posts something negative. Just sit back and watch what happens. I mean, it will spread. It is awful. And it just gets a life of its own. You know, I was thinking about the children of Israel. You know, they're, they're kind of a classic example because after they had seen God move so many times in their, their lives, you know, God performed all the miracles of the plagues that resulted in Pharaoh releasing them, allowing them to go. And then they, they escaped the uh, mighty Egyptian army that we talked about a few weeks ago when, when God parted the sea so that they could go through to safety. And then when they're in the desert, they, they, they're receiving manna. Every morning, God's providing them food in the middle of the desert. And they, so they've seen all these things that God's done for them. And this negative spirit gets alive. It starts spreading throughout the camp. And people start going, oh, I remember when all the good food we had to eat in Egypt. Do you remember that? We had all the leeks we wanted and all the garlics we could eat. And, and oh, it was just wonderful. And so they're, they're com- complaining about their present situation so much so If you read the story, they start longing to go back to Egypt. Some of them are willing to go back into harsh slavery because of the negativity that they're hearing. In fact, the negativity is so pervasive that Moses Moses kind of uh, melts down in, in 
Numbers 11, 12, or 15, he's talking to, to God here. He says, if you're going to continue to do this to me, then kill me now. You know, I'm tired of listening to these people. If you care about me, put me to death, and then I won't have any more troubles. That's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? He's, he's lost track of where he's at. Why? Because of all the negativity. And then I think, have you ever prayed a prayer like that in your life? You know, where, where does that kind of spirit come from? See, Moses got infected by the negativity. Christ followers, guard your heart. I think more than anything in today's day, we need to guard our hearts. We need to protect our hearts. We need to protect against all the negativity that's around us. You know, Moses, he did one thing right here. He went to God and he said, here's my struggle, God. Here's what I'm dealing with. And God changed his heart and God revived his hope. And I believe God can do that for you too in your life. But you got to guard against the negative intake. You got to keep the hope tank full. You go, well, how? Well, spend time with God. Spend time in scripture. Spend time with people who breathe life into you. Spend time in worship like we're doing today. You know, when you worship, when, when you worship, you, you honor God. You give God glory. But there's a gift you receive in worship. Hope. Hope. See, when you worship, it reminds you of God's goodness. It reminds you of God's grace and God's mercy. It reminds you that God's strong and powerful, that God is faithful, that God has guided you through the years, that God has protected you. It reminds you how amazing God is. And that, my friends, breathes life into you. It allows you to walk with a little bit more pep in your, in your step. It allows you to face whatever it is you've got to face. In fact, I believe you cannot sincerely worship God and not be filled with hope. You cannot sit in a worship service and really give it to God and not have your perspective changed. Worship helps you guard your heart. Worship will give you courage and hope to face whatever the mountain is that you've got to face. I started with the story of Lewis and Clark, you know, them facing the Rocky Mountains. Very similar story. Edmund Hillary, he was the first person to climb Mount Everest. You know, he made uh, several unsuccessful attempts. He'd just about get there and just he'd have to backtrack and start again. He dealt with a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, and a lot of failures in his life. And they say there was a point where he was at base camp and he's looking up at the mountain. And he started, they said he was talking to the mountain. And he said, you know, someday I'm going to climb you, mountain. And I'll tell you why. 
It's because you're as big as you're ever going to be, but I'm still growing. I'm still learning. That's a different perspective, isn't it? See, I don't know what mountain you face today. Maybe it's a small mountain. Maybe it's a rocky-sized mountain. Some of you may be facing Mount Everest, or it feels like it. But I know one thing, one thing, and this is, this is key. You know, Jesus said, with people, this is impossible. The mountain's too big. The mountain's more than I can handle. The mountain, oh, I'm going to get in trouble here. With people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Christ followers, God is with you. You're still growing. None of you have arrived. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. We're still growing. But we can keep climbing. We can. So we're going to close a little bit different than we have the last few weeks. If you have a mountain, I don't care if it's, maybe it's a hill, all right? Some of you go, oh, I don't think it's a mountain. If you've got a hill, you've got a mountain, maybe you're facing Mount Everest today. Just stand up where you're at and I want to pray for you. Those that are still seated, you thank God that he, for the mountains he's helped you climb at this point and pray for your brothers and sisters around you silently as I pray for them. Our holy God, God, you see those standing today. God, I don't know what the mountain is. It might be a hill. It might be huge. But whatever it is, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would breathe hope. That your Spirit would give each of these individuals vision to see the possibilities, to realize what it is that they can learn, how they can grow, and that you have a future for them that's more than they can imagine or even begin to think about. God, that, uh, God, I pray that uh, you just help them rise up with wings like an eagle, that they'd fly, soar. God, protect their hearts from the disappointment, the despair, the hopelessness. They'd put their hope in you. God, with you, all things are possible. God, I know there are those here today that would give testimony to that. And God, forgive us when we fail to uh, recognize and thank you for those times you've seen us through. You've got us over the hill, the mountain. Got us through the challenge. God, we thank you for this day. God, I pray that as we go into this next week that we would... uh, just see the opportunities you place before us, that we would sense your spirit, that uh, we'd walk with a little more passion and a little more pep in our step. 
God, that we would uh, put our hope in you. God, we thank you for all things. May we please you with what we say and do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said? Amen. Amen. We're going to uh, dismiss if uh, from the back forward. If you want to stand up while they're dismissing, and you can turn around. You can actually talk to people through your masks and stuff. Uh, that'd be okay. Uh, God bless you. Have a good week, and uh, we'll see you next week.